Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. My fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Max, what exactly do you think of wrestling Twitter at this moment in time? Are we still world maimed? Good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening. This is Chain Wrestling with Mags and Sai, and the day is finally here. After teasing it for weeks and weeks and weeks, on the 30th anniversary of WrestleMania 7, we are going to look back on the absolute horror shit show that is Hogan <laughs> versus Sergeant Slaughter. With me as always, and on this occasion, quite reluctantly, <laughs> under duress, <laughs> under absolute duress, is the General Adnan to my Colonel Mustafa, the Camel Clutch to my Camel Scrotch, a podcaster that says, if you hurt his friends or you hurt his pride, he's actually probably going to be surprisingly okay with that. <laughs> it's Mr. Mags himself. How are we doing, sir? I mean, not... Not only would I be okay with it, I would probably help you take them down if uh, if need be. <laughs> I would be willing to lend a hand. Yeah, I'm doing uh, okay, considering I've just had to watch something I've avoided watching, like The Plague. So just let's get this straight out of the way before we get into uh, any other think, topics or issues or discussions we're going to have, mate. Mags, what exactly do you think of wrestling Twitter at this moment in time? Oh, do you know, it's always been for me, um, it's always been kind of a double edged sword. There's a really cool part, like I've built up some really good friendships, but then they do shit like this, <laughs> and I just wish that they were all dead. Oh, why? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, and I, 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 that is too strong. I wish they were all maimed. Named horribly. Think of the think of the listening numbers, mate. If if wrestling Twitter is dead, it's effectively just you, me, and my kids listening back to this show. (laughs) You know, (laughs) at least the votes would go uh, the way we wanted them to. Well, they'd all vote for you. My kids would vote for you anyway. So (laughs) Uh, as they should, as they absolutely should. No, I mean it was always going to come. I'm actually glad that they picked it because of how. Um, it, the timing fell perfectly. Um, yeah, it's, it was a, it was the right pick 
begrudging wrestling Twitter, so you did nail it. It's, I just, it's, sorry, I just wish it didn't happen. I just wish it didn't happen. <laughs> Why didn't we start re- dropping this episode on that Fridays? This we is the weird thing, and this is the thing I want to sort of explain to, to anyone listening. Obviously, the very first episode of Chain Wrestling, the, the subject I put forward was this match, Hogan and Slaughter, WrestleMania 7. And the main reason I did that was a little tongue-in-cheek, because Max, Max had actually just looked at it for another podcast that he yep. was a guest upon, um, and made it very clear to anyone listening how much he hated it. So I thought, just to be funny, I'd link to that match, and it was a bit of a giggle. I didn't think for a second it was going to become an ongoing thing where I tease it just to have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke. Um, an excuse to play real American, which I bloody love as an entrance for many way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be that way. And then at the same time, I didn't really know how it was going to end teasing this little, little thing and being a bit daft and silly. Well, until there's, I, there's, it, there's been weeks where you just hadn't teased it, where yeah. you just, it were getting more and more complex, uh, trying to strong arm it in, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, at one stage I used a Celine Dion tour to link to it and stuff like this. So it's getting a bit, getting a bit. <laughs> but the fact that uh, somehow it came to my attention that this episode was going to drop on the exact thirty-year anniversary of that match, I was like, "Oh man, I got to string out for a couple more weeks just to make sure," and, and then put it forward. And and, to, and again, to put this into context, our show coming out uh, on a Wednesday, Mags and I here with, with Chain Wrestling coming out on a Wednesday. That wasn't our decision. The, yeah. the, the, the great the great people at uh, Visionaries Global Media, the, the network that uh, are fantastic and put our shows out for us every week. They gave us Wednesday as a day. We didn't have really have an option. And what well, we did have an option, we just accepted this as the first option they gave. So yeah. it's literally just a really weird, surreal coincidence that this has all come together like this, Max, isn't it? And it, and we couldn't not jump on that and and, and use it for uh, thirty years to the day of the match. Mm-hmm. Um, we had to we had to jump on that, uh, even if it meant that we had to suffer through a twenty minute. Hulk Hogan match. Yeah, yeah, that was painful. <laughs> that was painful indeed. Oh, but before we get to that, mate, how's your week been? You've been up to anything good in this in this another yet another lockdown week? Um just the absolute same. I've been on a couple of uh people's podcasts. I was a, a guest on the DWR podcast, uh which I, I think dropped um maybe Saturday. Um, but no, it's just been typical working, doing nothing, uh, podcasting, um, watching UFC. Uh, we, we did have Fastlane, which uh, I still haven't watched because, uh, I wasn't, uh, staying up till God knows when to watch essentially a house show in the run up to WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, I was going to get to um, to Fastlane in a minute, actually, but we'll cover it now very quickly, seeing as you, uh, you mention it. Um, I didn't realise it started at like 11 o'clock. No, um, I, and I don't think it went on for that long as well. No, it was done by 2am. Yeah. I had to put this into context. Last night, I was thinking, oh, shall I stay up for it, shall I not? And I decided not to in the end, because I, I thought, same as you, there's not much going on, it's the build-up for WrestleMania, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. I ended up stopping up in the end till like 3 o'clock in the morning watching um, episodes of this TV show I'm currently working my way through thinking that the wrestling would still be on, but I'll catch it the next day. If I'd known it started at 11, I probably would have stopped up and watched it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I get your point. Uh, for me, it'll be one where um, I'll probably watch it tomorrow night, maybe Wednesday night, uh, just um, 
just something to skip through, I suppose. I mean, I, I know the results. I, one of the first things I did was was check who who won. Uh, absolutely no surprise. I think I, I predicted every single result correctly, which wasn't hard to do with it being the run to WrestleMania. But yeah, yeah, it was. It's it's definitely going to go down as a, a forgettable show. Uh, I don't really see the point of it. I, we could have probably done with a uh, just house uh, standard TV shows building the the feuds that we've got to, into WrestleMania, but. WWE do what they they want to do. I suppose the more interesting news that came out of that show was the fact that WWE have uh, granted uh, Andrade his release. Yeah, and now everyone's sort of trying to uh, sort of guess, preempt, I suppose, what's going to happen with Charlotte Flair from that. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is quite interesting. I think Andrade's fantastic. I think he's a really, really talented fella. Yeah, he's got very, he's got a great a great look as well. Um, I don't understand how with wwe how if if i mean they've always had someone who, who sort of ticks that box i guess that the sort of latin market i guess for want of a better term mm-hmm. how they haven't looked at this guy and thought money because to me he's money yeah absolutely i mean i've seen his stuff uh as la sombra uh starting uh losing the nobles um his nxt stuff was was brilliant uh, teaming in with Selena Vega was uh, was absolute money, and mm. it just didn't translate over to the main roster. Um, I know that a lot of fans are, are, are really kind of pissed off at WWE wasting him, but it, it happens unfortunately with uh, when you when you're uh, um, Triple H and you're booking the, a guy, and the fans are really kind of gravitating to him. That doesn't necessarily mean that's how Vince McMahon sees that that person, uh, and unfortunately, Vince McMahon. Didn't really see a lot in in uh, Andrade. Has allowed him to get his release. The um, the the wrestling Twitter have, have been going mental, wanting him to go to AEW. Personally, I don't think he even fits in there. Um, I think it, it, this is uh, a New Japan style wrestler. I think he, he'd work over there really well. Uh, put him in Los Angeles with a uh, with. Um, Nato, uh, get him re-involved in that group. Um, I think that's that's where I see him going. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good shape. That's a good shape. I'd be all about that. I'd be happy to watch him over there. Yeah, it, it, again, just some of these guys who you look at in NXT or even outside of that in the likes of TNA or Impact or mm-hmm. Japan or wherever they come from, and you look at them and you think they're amazing, and then they get to WWE and it doesn't work out, or they're given a stupid comedy gimmick or whatever. So infuriating sometimes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, unfortunately, it's the way of WWE. They, yeah. whenever uh, they are worried, they'll always go back to the stars that they know that they can rely on. The guys like Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, and it's harder and harder for a new talent to come in and uh, and get that that huge push plus the 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 twitter wrestling world are never going to be satisfied if uh if andrade would have been uh pushed to the moon and got all the the plaudits and the the uh, accolades that he, he definitely would have deserved we would have just been mourning about somebody else not getting that push um i mean how quickly do we move on when uh, look at when Daniel Bryan came back, um, won the title. Um, everybody uh, quickly moved on to to call fair. Then when Big E won a title, we've moved away from him to Keith Lee. Keith Lee's now out of the picture, so we're moving on to somebody else. We we just are never 
never pleased, always kind of like a conveyor belt uh, group of fans. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I, I get quite frustrated with that sometimes when it, you know people don't. I think you should always try and look at the positive side. There's always going to be stuff on on wrestling television, especially mm-hmm. WWE television, that doesn't cater to everyone. Um, and, you've, uh, and you've hit the nail on the head right there. The fact that you're on wrestling Twitter. Uh, debating wrestling with other wrestling Twitter fans, you are not WWE's target audience. Mm, they yeah. know that you are going to watch and bitch about it regardless. They're looking at the young fans to replace the older, uh, kind of disillusioned, uh, disenfranchised fans. Um, we are just a, a tertiary kind of um, uh um, income supply for WWE. They know that we're going to watch. They know we're going to bitch about it. They want other fans to be invested. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I try not to bitch about it, but it's hard sometimes. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, oh yeah, it, it, it I, I understand. You know? Yeah, you do get invested with these I mean, fast lane. Fast lane, for example. I won't go into too much details, Max, since you haven't seen it yet. But fast lane, there's there's some good to be seen there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Reigns versus Daniel Bryan. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was that was that was a good match. I mean, I'm a big Daniel Bryan fan anyway, but you know it was it was a good match. And then to counter that, I, I mean, I, I, the first two matches, uh, you had the women's tag title match, and then you had the um, Intercontinental Championship match. The bloody camera angles and the zooming in and out when people throw a punch or a slam or oh man, it, it, genuinely it, it made my head go funny. It made me feel anxious watching it. It was that you know. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Uh the camera work and, and the, the 3D graphics, it's not something that, that I really enjoy. But no. if you're a 8- to 10-year-old kid, that's exciting. You're seeing like, all these cameras. It, it, it keeps them uh, invested because they have short uh, attention spans anyway. So you switch camera and it's a, they're looking at it from a different angle. Uh, there's more chance that they're going to stick around and, and keep watching. Then you throw up the fancy graphics, the relatively quick matches, the the relatively safe wrestling that they do. Um, it, it's, it's all catered to keep the young um, audience uh, invested and, and we are an afterthought. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much. I suppose speaking of afterthoughts and fast lane and so on, some of that you'll probably notice that I point out here when you watch the show, but it's WWE in general, I think. Where's everyone's socks gone? <laughs> They've got this fellow Reginald on the pay-per-view, right? Now, I don't watch WWE TV a lot, but I'll try and watch the pay-per-view. Yeah. Sorry, the pay-per-views, sorry. Um, they got this fellow Reginald on there, and he's got these shoes on, these trousers that don't come down all the way they should, and he's got no socks on. And I was like, okay, maybe that's just him i don't know i'm out of touch i'm not i've never really had my finger on the pulse when it comes to fashion i suppose as my wife and kids will happily inform anyone if they ask <laughs> um but then you've got seth rollins doing the same bloody thing mm-hmm. and Corey graves and and all these oh, where's everyone's socks gone why doesn't people wear socks anymore um you know it's something that has annoyed me for about a decade um the a lot of the 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 mad drinking buddies Used to go out with no socks, uh, proper like leather shoes as well, uh, not yeah. not like padded or anything like that. And you'd think if that were me, I'd need plasters on the back of my heels after about ten minutes because I'd have a massive uh, I'd have a massive welt there. It just rip away the skin. I cannot stand the shoes and no socks fashion. It just absolutely annoys me. Skinny jeans annoys me. Um, cat dye pants annoy me. Um, 
for me, if you're gonna go go on, if you're gonna wear trainer, uh, not trainers, but like proper formal shoes, you need socks. It's as simple as that. Yeah, right. And then there's the other side of that. And this isn't necessarily WWE TV. I haven't seen this on on WWE television. I'm talking more sort of around here, around you know people I see out and about. You see people with jeans or the tracksuit bottoms or whatever, and and the trousers or or whatnot, and they don't go all the way down to their ankles. First of all, if I wore trousers like that when I was that age, I'd have got picked on. They'd have been called ankle bashers, even though they weren't long enough to touch my ankles. We you know, and then you got okay, okay, right, yeah. But there's, there's no socks or whatever, right? But then. Loads of the kids around this way now wear sliders, you know, like the, the, the sort of like flip flops around the middle bit. Do you know what I mean? Okay. You know, but they wear socks with those. That's horrific. But it's not like just one or two; it's all of them. So they've got like these these sliders on. I, I suppose to me, they look like the shoes that you used to wear in the shower when you play football. Pull shoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've got. I know why they do it because they spent forty eight quid on a pair of bloody nike socks and they pull them really really high to show the tick but i'm looking at them so you don't wear socks when you're wearing proper trousers but you do wear socks when you've got effectively bloody flip-flops on am um, i yeah. that out of touch um, I, th- I don't think it's just you it's me as well because I, I don't get it but when you're spending 300 pound on a pair of gucci sliders like you said 50 pound on a pair of nike socks you want to look like you're uh, one of the cool gang, I suppose. Uh, it looks ridiculous. Uh, I laugh at people who do it, but, I mean, I dare say when I was a, a nipper, um, people were laughing at the fashion that, that we used to knock around in. So um, it's it swings and roundabouts. Fashion has passed us by, Simon. Now we just want yeah. a comfy pair of jeans, a pair of trainers, and a black T-shirt. That That's me happy. <laughs> So I was always, I suppose, I was always the black T-shirt though, mate. I was, a, I was a big metal fan, rocker growing up. I mean, speaking about you know fashion passing us by, it always has passed me by. I guess <laughs> just never I, came. The yeah, exactly. Came yeah, I, mean, I can remember. I don't know what age I was. Very, very, very early teens, thirteen or whatever. I once got like slapped about a bit up time for wearing a Motley Crue T-shirt. So I suppose that shows I didn't ever fit in, really. You know, <laughs> but I never wore. Oh yeah, totally, mate, totally. But I never wore. Um, Socks with flip flops. That's a step too far, pal. Socks with flip flops, socks with slippers, anything like that, just yeah, it boils my piss. Yeah. Idiots, mate. Idiots. And I include my daughters in that as well. So if you're listening, <laughs> and I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> um speaking of this area around here, Max, seeing as uh I didn't sort of look at my week my past seven days yet there's only one real thing that's happened around here mate we had a mini riot on our street yes uh you you uh dropped the message on on twitter and i thought jesus yeah i mean basically i've, I've explained this several times in the past on this show and and any others i guess where i live in gloucester the area where i live in gloucester is, is not particularly great but then there's a lot of areas that have trouble and so on um opposite side of the road about four doors down five doors down whatever there's a family down there that are notorious for causing trouble um they're always having house parties every weekend there's always some grief uh, of some sort uh, even during these lockdowns i mean the police are there quite regularly because they're still having these house parties mm-hmm. um i was sat in the back room downstairs uh, having a beer or two headphones on doing what i normally do the wife's in the front room, and I even I could hear something with my headphones in. 
to what was going on outside. And this must have been early hours of the morning, maybe, I guess, something like that. So I've jumped up and I, you know, I've gone out and I stuck my head out to have a little look what's going on. Can't really see anything. So I, I've gone walking out the front of the house. Now I've got to the end of my drive and th- there must, oh God knows how many people there was. There must have been 10, 15 maybe people. Wow. And then more joining as well, all out on the street. You can imagine the sort as well, all tracksuit wearing, you know, sort of chavy types. Mm-hmm. And they've got bloody broom handles and bits of wood. Uh, all, and they're just, it's like a freaking riot scene from a film. Wow. And I'm just like, what the, you know, th- this is insane. Um, the police were called and they, you know, yeah, I think, I think the wife counted seven cars and two vans or, or something like that turned up, um, as an ambulance there as well. Cause the one kid took an almighty wallop on the head and was bleeding everywhere and so on. But I mean, that's, that, that, that's the scenario that's drawn me outside. I want to give you a little insight into the other people that live around me. Okay. As oh. I've come outside, the obvious reason being this mini riot down the road there's a few other people who have also come outside to look at the noise first of all there's one of my neighbors there who as i've got to the end of my driveway has said don't go get involved sorry and I, I, my, now my mind is thinking why in a million years would you think i'd want to why <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> like simon the 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 uh the, the local superhero yeah. any any trouble going on he'll nip in eat a banana and out he comes, banana man. <laughs> yeah, why would I... Don't go get involved, sorry. They've got weapons. And I'm like, yeah, okay, mate, I won't. Thanks for that. Good job you told me, because I was yeah. just about to wade in and just bang all their heads together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just sort of like, you know... Don't get me wrong, the comment came from a, a, a nice place, I guess. But it was just a, a bit of an odd thing to say. <laughs> so I've turned around to look at, look at this fellow, because he's only a couple of doors down. On the other side of the road, a few doors down in the opposite direction from where the, the scrap's happening... There's a little old man shouting, what's going on? What's going on? I don't know what's going on. But he stood there looking the wrong way down the street. (laughs) (laughs) So he's looking, he's got his back to what's happening. Don't go wrong. I I, I, I know these people. We live on quite a small road. He's not a WWE referee. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. he's not blind he's perfectly fine I, i've seen him you know, out and about there's nothing wrong with his eyesight you know I, i've never even seen him wearing glasses but he's got his back going i don't know what all the noise is about what's going on he's got his back to it and not one time did he turn around even when the police were turning up and the blue flashing lights were going right and then the best one of all this little old lady comes out who always says hello to me whenever i see her and she she's took the opportunity to have a nice little chin wag with me at two o'clock in the morning with a riot going on hundred yards down the road and it's literally the case of oh hi you love i haven't seen you for a while how are you is everything okay how's the family and i'm thinking i kind of want to get back in my house Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but she's like completely oblivious again to what's going on because she's more interested in having a chat to what i've been up to you know Wow, I mean, while she had you there, I suppose it was a great time to to have a little bit of a catch up. But you'd think she'd be more interested in in the shenanigans happening across the road. Oh, mate, there's some weird people around here. I mean, I think a lot of it's to do with drugs. But there's a lot, there's a weird people around here. There's another fella who just came out literally in his pants, and I'm, I'm talking like you know, tiny white is or whatever, just stood there with a rolled up cigarette and in his pants, just. And he sort of gives me a nod and carries on. Well, I assume it's a roll-up. It might have been some, you know, might have been a joint. I don't know. But he stood there just, <laughs> just in his pants, just watching what's going on. Wow. And I'm sort of looking up and down the road thinking, this is this is literally a snippet of where I live. My God. I mean, I, I, I can totally empathise with you. 
Um, I used to live in some pretty um, scummy places in Burnley. Uh, Burnley's not exactly the, the nicest place to live at the best of times, but there is some certain areas which are pretty low class. So we had a lot of that uh, happening around us. But I've, uh, I've, I've come up in the world and uh, the area of Burnley I live in now, the, the most trouble we get is when uh, cars part with two wheels upon on the, the the side of the road and and kind of ruin the grass verges uh, our our local parish council gets quite up in arms about that yeah i can imagine me I, <laughs> I don't think it, it it quite touches the same levels as as a riot uh or like uh, stabbings uh as you get in down there in gloucester but yeah we do get kind of heated when we see uh cars parked on 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 the grass we don't like it around these ends you just get a random bloke in his pants going oh these parking around here you know <laughs> usually, usually with a top hat and a monocle and smoking a, a cigarette but out of one of those plastic holders what's about two foot long <laughs> yeah i know what you mean ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we take to twitter mags and have a little look at what we've had this week let's do it okay um as mentioned on Last week's episode and on the show's Twitter account during the last few days at chain underscore wrestling. Uh, Mags and I were looking for storylines or characters or angles or anything at all wrestling based that just disappeared or didn't have a proper conclusion or Mm -hmm. the conclusion was given as a sort of very secondary daft afterthought. You know, you know the sort of thing that gets just gets dropped completely out of the blue and so on. I mean, the the, the example I gave was um, Mr. McMahon's limo. He gets in the limo, limo explodes, and obviously the Benoit thing happened, so it was all dropped. But what happened there? He was literally in a limousine that exploded. You know, rich dude should be dead. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> he should not be around anymore. Um, so one of the first ones we have here is from Big Daddy Ghoul. Uh, at psychosocial sb on twitter oh, shane what a great guy yeah okay um i don't think i know this fella to be honest but uh hi shane nice of you to reach out appreciate that mate um the anonymous raw general manager Yes, this is a great shout. Yeah, I think so. He feels like it was revealed um, maybe three years later or something along those lines, but still thinks it counts. And yeah, Shane, definitely 100% it counts. This one is one of the ones that really sticks in my mind because you were guessing for so bloody long, weren't you? And I thought it was a really, really good idea, Max. Yeah, this storyline actually... it took about th- four years. Uh, if you remember, it started, I think, about June 2010. Uh, carried on for the majority of that year um, into way into 2011. Uh, then it disappeared for a little while, came back in 2012, and then again in 2014. So you're looking at that a four-year gap where they ran with this uh, with no real outcome. And then on Raw, I think it was a, the Raw 1000 episode, uh, the WWE claimed it was Hornswoggle uh, yeah. behind the whole thing, which I totally agree is um, that was not satisfactory for me. You can tell that they had run with this with no real kind of end game in sight, and then just dropped it. Uh, and Hornswoggle was was just the, the it was just the way to kind of quell the questions about it. Um, 
uh, going back to like the early days, it, the the you would get little hints to who the actually the person was. Um, uh, a lot of like kind of red herrings, but a lot of uh, hints that that could potentially have named the person. I remember at the time you were looking at uh, the likes of uh, um, Vicky Guerrero was potentially the 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 the, the, the anonymous GM. Uh, it was uh, I think Triple H at one time where it was mentioned Stephanie, uh, but then yeah, it ended up fizzling out. Yeah, and you'd have that um, that noise, wouldn't you? That sound effect, and then. Michael Cole normally would be saying, can I have everyone's attention? I've, I've had a message from the anonymous raw general manager. Um, and is it, and I quote was what he used to say as well. And wasn't it? I quote. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bloody hell. I mean, they had some really big storylines as well. I mean, Cena was heavily involved in the storyline with it. Uh, I remember punk. one. Yeah. Punk, uh, the rock, uh, he, he once smashed up the laptop because, mm. uh, Michael Cole kept going back to it. Yep. And it's funny as well, because now, when that that no, that noise that tone goes off on someone's phone, I still instantly think of that raw general manager and Michael Cole standing <laughs> there. So it's had an impact. I mean, you're saying it's what ten years ago. Yeah. It's, it's had a bloody impact, you know. So that's a great shake. That is uh, Shane. You said it was, wasn't it? The guy's name. Yeah, sure, yeah that's yeah. a great shake. Yeah, thanks, Shane. Really appreciate that, mate. Thanks for messaging in. Um, at UTT Rob, a bit more of a modern one here. Uh, Rob says. He knows it was played out on Twitter, but A, that doesn't count, and B, it was awful. <laughs> the Nightmare Collective just ending on television. Uh, he was loving the Brandy Rhodes promos and the hints that Voodoo might even get involved. Now, for me, yeah, I agree with that one as well. I think it was odd for quite a while. Um, I wasn't 100% convinced. I wasn't too sure about how this was working. Um, with the whole thing, of obviously, Brandy being off screen or even on the social media not this crazy lady that she was portraying on dynamite Mm -hmm. however when it it started to kind of gain a bit of momentum and i started to get into it a bit it's when they kind of canned it so that was an odd one for me as well yeah yeah uh, i think you and rob uh are both wrong that this should have been <laughs> this was one of those angles that should have definitely been canned uh and it's for a lot of the reasons that you that you said uh, the disconnect between Brande uh and her on social media and Brande as this this uh leader of this uh voodoo uh, nightmare collective it just it didn't work at all for me uh and it it, it felt like they were just trying to strong arm uh brander into uh becoming a, a big deal in in uh aw and in the fans fans eyes and I, I feel that she's probably become more of a big deal just being herself just being yeah. brandy as she is uh i think that that's the best kind of character she's had this uh nightmare collective leader the stuff with awesome kong and then uh um melissa it just didn't connect with me at all um I felt it took away uh, a lot of um, a momentum from the Dark Order, who were doing a very similar gimmick at that time, and and now obviously they've transitioned into uh, kind of more of a comedy role, which is working brilliantly for them. Um, but yeah, I agree that this needed to be canned, and and I was happy that it did. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, that nineties wrestling podcast at nineties wrestling pod on Twitter, uh, Mordecai. Do you remember him? I do. Uh, the old white beard and all that, all that nonsense. A big weird cross. Um, yeah. 
he, I think he he was brought in to be a, a kind of real big challenger to uh, to Undertaker, but he yeah. just he shit the bed in the ring, and it just never happened. Didn't he end up being a vampire on um, the ECW reboot? Wasn't that him, Kevin Fur? Kevin Kevin Fur. I think his his name on ECW was Kevin Thorne. Yeah, but isn't his real name something like Kevin Furtick or Kevin yeah, Furtick or something so. like that? I believe so, yeah. And they had that last with him. There was something quite sexy about that gothic last, you know. There's something quite hot, I reckon, about a scary little gothic last. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, I'm not one to kink shame, so if that's what you're into. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not saying I'm into it. it. I'd be far too scared. If I, like, say, for example, I went on a blind date and, and someone, like, he was a bit like a. Bear in mind, I'm a, I'm a big rocker and that myself. But somebody turned up looking that vampire ish. Obviously, if it was in the day, I'd be all right because I'd be thinking, okay, sunshine, sound, you know. But if it was at night time, I'd be a bit like, oh, I ain't sure about this, you know. That that freaked me out a little bit, maybe. I mean, it, it does say to me that if she did try and bite your neck, she'd struggle to get blood because it would have uh, gone somewhere else. It would have all been gathered <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that, mate. You bite my neck, it's not. It, it would be blood anyway. It'd be ale, I expect. <laughs> you know. I cut myself. I think what comes out is about, I don't know, 50% proof, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, Scott Robertson, at Scott WWE F1. Um, he said there was something that happened with Booker T, where he got a note saying, I still remember, or something along those lines. Don't know if that was ever finished. And I can remember this, and I can tell you, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I, 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 I read the tweet, and I vaguely remember it happening. Uh, I don't remember the context, but I also don't remember it, it finishing. So yeah, I'd be interested to to hear what 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 the take is from that. Yeah, definitely. What we should try and do actually is is maybe maybe solve try and, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll freak Booker out a bit. Maybe if we all start tweeting him, I still remember just randomly, and just see if he re- responds or says anything. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Just like we have give up, it was meant to be so and so, it didn't work, let it go. Yeah, exactly. Something else that is the same, very much the same elk that makes me to the point where I, I, I tweeted Shane McMahon on a regular basis asking him the answer to this question. Um, Millwall Chris at Millwall Chris one on Twitter, um, Shane stroke Vince McMahon and the lot box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was in that lot box? Who who knows? It that was very much uh, an annoying one, very much so. I mean, in a way, logically, I suppose the, the lock box was there to try and force Vince to do something, wasn't it? He didn't yeah. want the secrets or the contents coming out, so Vince went along with whatever Shane wanted. So then Shane put the lock box back and didn't tell anyone. So in a way, I suppose Shane, you could you could admire him because he's kept his word, hasn't he? He's, you know, he's, he's, he's not stitched his old man up by going against him anyway and telling you what's in the lockbox. Exactly exactly right. I mean, he might want to keep that for uh, for another day, keep that uh, under his hat, um, just in case Vince is a dick again and uh, and he has to pull out the, the threat of the lockbox. Yeah. So in a way, this is a wrestling storyline that did get a conclusion and was really, really sensible, which is unusual, I suppose. <laughs> Just not the not the conclusion that we uh that we wanted. No, exactly, exactly. Have you got any you can think of, Max? Oh, I've got a, I've got a couple. Okay, um, 
First, and I, I, don't, I, I can't understand how this has not been mentioned on uh, wrestling Twitter. It's one that has annoyed me um, since the whole storyline went down. So let's go to King of the Ring. Uh, I think it was King of the Ring 1999. Um, and we got oh, uh, yeah. a briefcase. Uh, and in this briefcase was a, a contract for the controlling stake of WWE. Uh, we had uh, Stone Cold who was a, was a part owner, and we had Vince McMahon, who was the other part owner. Um, and after taking a, a massive whooping um, from um, basically beating both uh, McMahon's Shane and Vince McMahon, uh, Stone Cold went to climb the ladder, and then all of a sudden the briefcase moved, and mm-hmm. it rose up just out of Austin's grasp, Um this meant that Shane and Vince had the time to to recover, uh, and they were able to uh, end up winning the match and, and getting the briefcase. But we never found out who raised that briefcase. There was never no conclusion to it. Um, uh, Rumours were going around that it was meant to be Boss Man, uh, but that was denied, and we never got a satisfactory uh, explanation of, of what happened and why that briefcase rose when Stone Cold uh, went to went to claim it. Perhaps it's a really, really dark family secret. So to make sure that nobody finds out about it, it gets put away in a lockbox. <laughs> right? <laughs> it, could it could actually be. <laughs> Perhaps that's what it is, mate, yeah. Do you remember GTV as well? I certainly do. That was a... Uh... I mean, I was always really interested in it to see what was what was happening. Now, you, it was fun seeing these wrestlers in these embarrassing predicaments. But it was another thing that I think they started and didn't quite have an end game. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, the rumours at the time was uh, was that it was Gold Dust, or that it apparently it was meant to be Tom Green as well, the comedian. Uh, but yeah, it was just one of those kind of things that fizzled out, and we we never really got get got to see again. Yeah, so annoying, isn't it? Yep, absolutely. absolutely. So Joe getting kidnapped in TNA as well was another one I put out on Twitter as a suggestion. Oh, bad 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 ninjas. Yeah, and then like nothing happened with it. Mm-hmm. It was then, just uh, happened. Was another one with Samoa Joe where he had a. Uh, a big uh, bloody knife where he threatened to uh, take out Scott Hall uh, and then Scott Hall returned about a week later and he just had a little scratch on his face which would not have uh, bloodied the knife as much as it did mm. well I don't know alcohol thins the blood doesn't it and Scott Hall, <laughs> Scott Hall he is, likes is, a beverage <laughs> he's 65% proof yeah so perhaps, perhaps he did just give him a little nick and it just poured out like a fountain man that yeah, is very, very possible. Uh, another one that I had um, going back to 2010, uh, if you remember, uh, around that time we had the Nexus. Um, yep. And they, for some reason, I think it was at Bragging Rats, they went and they targeted Undertaker in his Buried Alive match uh, with Kane, and they helped. Uh, Kane get the victory, uh, held Undertaker down whilst uh, Kane hit him with the urn. And then uh, uh, in the the, uh, shows afterwards, you got Wade Barrett uh, teasing that uh, beating up the Undertaker was was just the start. Uh, He was leader of the uh, Nexus and and they had huge plans uh, and, and then nothing came of it. Absolutely nothing. 
apparently he was he was meant to be the a rumored opponent for for Undertaker at WrestleMania, but we didn't even get that. There was just nothing at all came of it. Yeah, it's just so baffling. The core as well. Do you remember the core? Yeah. Speaking uh, of the Nexus, what happened the, to them? The Nexus two point Yeah, that was it. That was just a, trying to to keep hold of that that momentum that the Nexus had. Um, and yeah, it didn't work. Absolutely. Yeah, they just vanished. Work. They just disappeared, didn't they? Yeah, they just they just ended up breaking up. I think. Yeah. So annoying when you could potentially have a a, a breakup storyline and give people something to do on television. Mm-hmm. Rather than they just disappear for a couple of weeks and then come back and act like they haven't met before and stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, if I remember rightly, there there were uh, some matches on on that Raw and SmackDown where Barrett uh, walked out on Gabriel and and Heath Slater, uh, and then them two uh, just went their own separate ways, and and that was it. There was no kind of satisfying end to it. Uh, it was just like, yeah, we, we don't know where the story's going, lads. Uh, see you later. Mm. No, I don't remember those matches, actually, but at least they tried to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps that's what Booker T's note meant. Somebody still does remember those, <laughs> those matches, but I don't, yeah. I don't remember them, you know? <laughs> so I've got, um, um, I've got a couple more still. Yeah, yeah, go for it, man. Uh, one that you will definitely remember, the uh, Vince's Bastard Son. Okay. Um, if you remember, there was a long-winded uh, storyline that a wrestler on the WWE roster was uh, Vince's son, and we uh-huh. got we got uh, hints that it was Stone Cold. He took uh, Vince took a paternity test, and it wasn't Stone Cold. Um, and after quite a lot of uh, of uh, like rigmarole, it comes down to. Finlay was allegedly going to be Vince's son, and then it wasn't Finlay at all. It was actually Hornswoggle. Uh, that's he got the nickname then, Little Bastard. Uh, this was obviously before he became Hornswoggle. <laughs> um, apparently, it was meant to be the obvious pick uh, at that time, which was Mr. Kennedy. So he uh, did the Mr. Kennedy Kennedy. Uh, he kind of had the same. I suppose look as Vince, same kind of attitude, and I think that would have worked really well. But it failed the wellness policy and got suspended, so they had to scramble for a for a new storyline when he when he uh, got uh, suspended and released. So, yeah, that was a, an annoying storyline. Yeah, I remember that now. You said you mentioned Kennedy as the main the main uh, possibility that does ring a bell. Yeah, and then Why? the last the last one, and probably the most annoying just because of how quickly it was dropped so do you remember a a wrestler well i say a wrestler because uh technically he didn't wrestle in wwe but in in around december 2008 there was a promo for a a a wrestler coming called Hade vanson Hade vanson Hade vanson yes um very sinister, very dark, uh, and he, he was coming to the WWE to fulfil his prophecy. Uh, he'd spent his life uh, studying darkness. Uh, it was essentially going to be uh, a creepy kind of cult leader, um, uh, probably a little bit more darker than we got with Bray Wyatt and the, and the Wyatt family, that really kind of evil um, uh, cult leader. 
But two weeks later, WWE abandoned it. The guy never appeared on, on TV again, and he was released from his contract. So we got that one solo promo saying that he was coming uh, to fulfill his prophecy, and, and that was it. the darkness my entire life I have studied it I have dedicated my existence to it and it has led me here as a witness to your punishment made flesh I saw righteousness I saw purity all things hidden beneath the shadow of evil and I wanted more. For over a decade, I have searched. And now I have found others who believe, who will follow. And I have shown them the way. Your immortal power is all that I require. Now, the prophecy shall be realized. Your annihilation will not be in vain. You will live on. I shall be your vessel. I'm gonna. I'm looking the fella out now. I don't remember this at all. He at looked all. a little bit uh, wonky-eyed for me, um, but I, re- I remember him <laughs> vividly. I remember the character vividly because it was one of those that if you see it. It sticks in your mind that this is. It was quite a, a different take to what we had in WWE around that time, and and I think he would have stood out. But yeah, it didn't because he never appeared ever ever again. Uh, it says here that he was actually British. Yeah, yeah. And he he trained many future stars, notably Drew McIntyre, mm-hmm. Paul Birchall. Oh, do you remember Paul Birchall when he was a pirate? That didn't I, go anywhere I, either, did it? <laughs> I remember seeing Paul Birchall before he came to WWE, and the guy was technically phenomenal. He he did a move called C4, which is uh, like a standing shooting star press, uh, and he did like a, a standing Spanish fly. Um, really technical, um, technically skilled, and then he came to WWE. He was a pirate, and then he also, there was hints of incest with him and his sister, Oh, yeah, he wanted to bone his sister, didn't he? It was very, very weird. Yeah, that was strange. His sister was a good-looking lass, but that's just wrong. Yeah, Katie Lee, I think she was called. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a strange time. (laughs) Then we'll get to the coup de grace, the last one, and another one which I'm surprised Wrestling Twitter hasn't picked up on. Um, We mentioned uh, GTV. Uh, That was potentially linked with Goldust. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a period in uh, Goldust's career where he, uh, he'd had enough in WWE and he uh, he went back to WCW. Oh, I was going to bring this up, yeah. I know where you're going, mate. I know exactly where you're going, yep. I'm going with seven. Yeah. And he came out all painted up white and mm-hmm. cut this and, really weird promo. Well, he, he technically shit on, on the gimmick mm. in the middle of the ring. Um, but before that, uh, about, um, about two or three weeks before that, we got vignettes, 
and it was a it was a kid's bedroom, dark, raining, and then stood at the window, dusting uh, roads, all in pretty much as gold dust, but all in white with red uh, underneath his eyes, uh, an Undertaker style hat, uh, black uh, kind of um, um, sado masochistic uh, gear on. It, it pretty much looked like he was going to kidnap the child. Absolutely uh, horrific looking. Um, then we get that in-ring promo where he absolutely shit on WWE at first for, for the Goldust gimmick, shit on WCW for this gimmick, and then said, I'm here to be uh, to be uh, Dustin Rhodes, and that's it. So apparently the reason that, that got canned was because... Um, WCW had to had to uh, deal with Turner's standard and practices at that time, and they put the the uh, promos out before uh, the the guy in charge at Turner could give it a yay or a nay, and he saw it and went absolutely fucking not. This is not <laughs> happening. We'll have no child abducting white faced freaks on our show. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to have the NWO. <laughs> yeah. Let me guess who wrote that. Was this around bro era? Was that was that the sort of time? Potentially. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God bless Vince Russo. Such brilliant, wonderful car crash, terrible television. <laughs> There's one more I got in my mind, mate, that sticks out that still makes me wonder what happened with it, you know. Um, do you remember when we had the general managers of Raw and SmackDown quite early on? Okay. Um, way back when the brand splits happened, like I think it was the first brand split. And okay. Stephanie McMahon was SmackDown general manager and Eric Bischoff was Raw general manager. And then they sort of teased a little bit of flirting back and forth for, for a little while. And then they had a full-on snog on a pay-per-view. They did. And then it just disappeared. But then Bischoff also, he had a full-on snog with Linda as well. And nothing came of that. I mean, the Linda one, oh, I mean... Oh, that's Jesus. But the Steph one, yeah, you would have thought there would have been something there. Because um, Vince has always wanted to have a, a Steph sex stories. Uh, he's pushed many times for her to be uh, pregnant or married. Uh, and it's always either with him or with Shane. Uh, he's a, a weird guy, is Vince. Uh, but yeah, I'm surprised that that one didn't go anywhere because uh, having two uh, general managers uh, in that kind of relationship would have worked well. We would have had a, a mm. fairly decent story out of it, but it was yeah, not the to history, be. The history with Bischoff and McMahon as well going back, that could have been quite interesting storyline, yeah. Mm-hmm. Really strange. He is an odd bloke, isn't he, Vince? I, mean, I, I, know, I know that's stating the bleeding obvious from what we know from the professional wrestling world, but the way he constantly would be like, pushing Steph into these situations or maybe she liked it maybe she asked to be in these I don't oh, know apparently she really really stood her ground well she uh, obviously when she came in uh, as part of the the Undertaker and Austin angle where she was uh, put on a, a crucifix she uh, she agreed with that because she she wanted to get into the business but the the incest stuff yeah she, it was for her it was a hard no mm. uh, um, then when Vince said oh well if you don't want the storyline with me how about we do it with Shane and again it was like no I am that that's a line too far dad I'm not having yours or Shane's kid leave it and yeah it, it got dropped. And then he was like, what about Easy e Let's have this kid. <laughs> Come on, Steph. 
and then that, <laughs> and then that got dropped as well. And Bischoff back then, you think about it, he's snogging McMahon's all over the place, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he was a horny, horny little devil. He was. He, perhaps that's how he's got in the Hall of Fame this year. Perhaps he's got a step further, and now he's like snogging other McMahon's like Vince, and they're like, "Oh, I'll put you in the Hall of Fame, mate." You know? Or well, trips? He could have uh, had a do on trips now. He could have had a go on trips. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! I mean, Bloody it's hell. actually interesting that he's he's been picked to go in the Hall of Fame, knowing that for he's been on AW quite uh, a number of times recently, and mm. um, anyone who's been anywhere near involved in in AW have been kind of like ostracised. That's the only one I remember getting any kind of a recognition from WWE was when Billy Gunn. Uh, was was part of DX and he went in the Hall of Fame and they still had to have a dig about him being part of a pissant company. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting that he's gone in. Maybe it's a case of getting him uh, into a, uh, the Hall of Fame. He signs a Legends deal and he, he then stays away from AEW. Yeah, potentially. I, I like Bischoff. He's great. Yeah, I do. I think he's uh, uh, one of wrestling's better brains. He uh, mm. Obviously, it the NWO stuff got convoluted, but I think he's given a hard time for how much he turned WCW from a company that was losing money to a company that was on the tip of everybody's tongue, the, the hottest thing in wrestling. If he didn't do half of the things he did, we, we wouldn't have wrestling as it is today. Uh, things like monthly pay-per-views, which sometimes you can uh, like be annoyed at, but um, it, it has brought uh, more eyes to the product, but uh, mainstream appeal. Uh, he was the guy who got like uh, rap music and, and uh, MTV and, and Saturday Night Live and, and things like Letterman and uh, involved. Uh, if it wasn't for him, we'd still be potentially in, in the, the, the time where we were having country and music stars and, and things like that. So Bischoff has done a lot of good for the wrestling world. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And he got to tongue them at Marn, ladies. What a lucky fella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lucky for one. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. yeah, not so lucky for the other. If you were to kiss him at Marn, Mags, I mean, we'll take Steph out of the equation because she's the obvious choice. If you were to kiss him at Marn, which one would you go with? Oh. If you had to, there was a gun against your head. You had to kiss him at Marn. I mean, then it would be Linda, wouldn't it? But it'd be like kissing sawdust. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I suppose. Who would be next in line? <laughs> I mean, you've got the. I think Vince would be an aggressive kisser. I think. Yeah. He's the kind of person that if he he kiss you, it wouldn't be necessarily you got to kiss him. And the problem with Shane is he would be a sweaty kisser. Oh, He'd mate. be very sloppy. He's um, sliding all over the place, wouldn't you? Yeah, so I think you'd have to go with Vince. Shane, unfortunately, would be the last pick. Oh, there we go. So, I mean, if Wrestling Twitter is interested, we've just ranked our order of... Uh... <laughs> McMahon's we would kiss so and we've been talking about potential incest between a pirate and his sister earlier on this has taken a dark turn Mags it's Um, what happens on this show it is it (laughs) is but I'm afraid we're going to have to take another turn down a dark dark street Um, 50 odd minutes into the show mate we can't delay it anymore we've got to talk a little bit of wrestling my friend okay shall we do it and uh, yeah you can follow me on Twitter (laughs) 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 Uh. Hello brother This is NWA WCW Enhancement Talent Randy Hogan baby 
being in the ring with the Road Warriors, Vader, Abdul the Butcher, Midnight Express and all them guys. Let me tell you, it was dang rough. But not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cy Mags and chain wrestling, brother, runs wild on you? Okay, WrestleMania 7, Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter. The day Hogan saved the world from the evil Iraqi sympathizer and all things evil in the planet, universe, anywhere, because Hogan is our hero. Oh, two promos before the match, Mags, wasn't there? Slaughter and Adnan with Sean Mooney. Um, that was interesting. The only notes I've really got about that is... Just how big is Sergeant Slaughter's chin? Yeah, he was pushing that bad boy out, really yeah. pushing it out. We got the uh, the the uh, Iraqi kind of like uh, taunt from General Adnan. The only word that you could pick out was when he said Hulk Hogan. Uh, then you had Slaughter, who seemingly uh, understood what was going on because he knew the right time to like to chip in. Uh, he was a uh, he had a, a kind of theme to his uh, his promo. He wanted people to know that they were playing by his rules. Everything was by his rules. Uh, called the Hogan fans pukemaniacs. Called Hogan the the uh, the uh, immortal slam. Um, I thought it was a, an interesting promo. Poor Shawn he got all that sweat all over his face though. Poor bloke. Just like if you were to kiss Shane. <laughs> I mean, really growly wasn't he um slaughter this is not shane really growly he he was as well when he really sort of you maggots hulkamaniacs yeah i think he does i think he lives the lives the life of sergeant slaughter and stolen valor and all um but I, I thought he was really good at what he did. He gets a lot of grief um, for for being champion, uh, but I think uh, he he did really well in the role. Apparently, he wasn't very pleased with the role, um, but he gave it his all, uh, and he made you believe that he he had turned his back on on the old stars and straps. Uh, Really, like I said, really gravelly voice. Um, I think that's one of the best things about uh, Sergeant Slaughter. His, his promo work is very, very uh, underappreciated. Um, I thought he, he he really kind of sells that that uh, um, that Sergeant character very much like a Full Metal Jacket style. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just walking around like everyday life talking like that that'd be brilliant wouldn't it just, be able to follow Slaughter, just like yeah. pissed off like come yeah. on maggots <laughs> look, look sarge shut the fuck up and eat your breakfast <laughs> do you want a coffee of course i want a coffee goes to the shop and he's like i need to buy a razor and the shop attendant opens up that little cabinet he's like no i need six look at the size of this chin you know <laughs> yeah. that that sort yeah. of thing <laughs> For him, disposables are one use and one use only. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're then greeted by the great big orange one as he stands with Mean Gene Oakland and talks about a new Hogan for 1991 and various secret weapons he may have, which is a little bit concerning considering the video that we saw him in in later years. Um, yeah, a, a typical Hogan promo, really, Max, wasn't it, I suppose? 
Yep, um, did a shirt rip, uh, uh, said that um, he was a, a different man because of the attack uh, from uh, Slaughter the week earlier. Um, but he was gonna, he was gonna essentially how you push this for four months. He was gonna save the world. I remember an earlier promo where he said that uh, once he beat Sergeant Slaughter, Iraq would surrender, uh, and the the, oh, the, the war would be over because Hogan beat Sergeant Slaughter. So I mean, he believed in himself, uh, said his prayers, uh, drank his milk. Did his uh, had his vitamins was a little bit racist. Uh, he did everything that that Hulk Hogan needed to do. Yeah, I'm on that note very quickly. I suppose a bit more of a serious tone. I want to make sure it's very clear to everyone listening that whereas I do and have done many many weeks poked fun at this whole Hogan slaughter storyline and Hogan stating he's going to save well me stating Hogan will save the world um, and so on I am literally poking fun at the WWS ridiculousness and and Hogan's ridiculousness nothing at all to do with um, the United States of America in general or, oh, or, or the troops or anything like that you know especially the troops that are out serving at the time it's just the ridiculousness of the WWF, Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan in this whole scenario, thinking yeah, that Hogan's going to... I'm doing it wrong. Wrestling has always capitalised on the sort of fear factor of, um, for want of a better term, foreign heels, I guess, <laughs> through different eras in time. I mean, in the, in the 40s, 50s, whenever, the Germans were the bad guys because of what went on in the Second and World the War. Yeah, and the Russians a few yeah because of that. So, but it is so cringeworthy. I think you've got to poke fun at it if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And you talking about that promo there, Max, that Hogan saying that the Iraqis or or, or reti- um, not retire. Sorry, Saddam would uh, it would uh, surrender. Yeah, yeah. It just sums up how ridiculous and in bad taste this whole thing is, man. Yeah. And you've got to laugh at it because it is that awful. It is, um, absolutely is. As as we get to the match then, we have some celebrities enter. Uh, three of them. I didn't really know who any of these people were. Um, Regis and Lee are uh, chat I, show I, people, aren't they? Uh, Regis uh, was... I think it was on like a, the American version of, of like the breakfast show. Uh, he had a, a partner called Kathy Lee, and they'd have that. Uh, they'd speak to like celebrities and do interviews stuff like that. Uh, Alex Trebek, the other the other man, he was the host of Jeopardy. Uh, okay, I don't think um, I've ever seen Jeopardy. Wow, you you have lived a sheltered life, sir. I um, mean, I gotta be sheltered living around here. I was got a stick <laughs> on my head. You know, <laughs> the, the woman. I have absolutely no idea who she was. Marla Maples, uh, she was called. Um, absolutely no clue who she was. Um, still don't have a clue now. 30 years on, so she yeah. really didn't have much of an impact on me. So this Cyril Regis, like you, you said he was like breakfast TV, celebrity guest, sit-down chat show sort of thing. <laughs> this like- who? What what did you call him? Cyril Reg- oh, he played for West Brom, didn't he? Cyril Regis. What's this guy's name? Do you mean the footballer? Cyril yeah. Regis. Well, he was called Regis Philbin. Right, okay, okay. I thought Regis was his last name. No, it's his first name. Uh, okay. <laughs> Cyril Cyril Regis. Yeah, Cyril Regis. I know he used to play for West Brom, didn't he? That's, yeah, blatantly the wrong fella. What an absolute melt I am. But yeah, I thought Regis was this guy's last name as well. I just thought he had a different first name. Regis Philbin. Uh, okay. But he's like 
the American Lorraine Kelly sort of thing then? Uh, kind of, yeah. He's one of the lat loose women. Sorry, just as a loose woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would be, he'd probably be more like the Richard to uh, Kathy Lee's Judy. Ah, okay. Okay, I get you. No worries. Okay. Sorry, Regis is a loose woman. Brilliant. <laughs> um, that's the headline of, that's the title of the show. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> yeah, right there. <laughs> uh, Sergeant Slaughter comes out to... Getting the job as entrance as well. Oh, coming out. As the it. champion, I, it annoys. I mean, I know Hogan was the star. Uh, I get that Hogan must pause, yada, yada, yada. But in a championship match, the champion comes out second. This, I hate this. I hate it with every fibre of my wrestling fan being. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a fan either. Shawn Michaels for quite a while used to come out when he was the heel Intercontinental Champion would come out first. Mm-hmm. And they tried to explain that away as um, it's champion's choice and he chooses to come out first so he gets to pose in his mirror longer. I didn't mind that as much because they did kind of semi-explain it. Yeah, but this one you know it was because Hogan was the star. Yeah, yeah. And Slaughter comes out to... I mean, I don't really want to call it an entrance theme because it's not. It's 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 terrible. I mean, it it was you know making me feel. I was getting anxiety attacks, mate, listening to this bloody constant drum roll that led to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was horrific. It's, it is worse than right to censor. You know that that beeping alarm sound. Yeah, but it but it worked. It, it yeah. made the fans absolutely hate him. Uh, they were fuming, especially with the fact that they were waving the Iraqi flag around as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, these fans were not happy, not happy in the slightest. That's right, and these are these are fans as well that are in a much smaller arena than the initial venue they booked. Mm-hmm. If you remember, WrestleMania Six ran an advert for. WrestleMania 7 being at the was it LA Coliseum, I think it was called, the, the, yeah. the big, almost stadium type effort that they'd ran at like uh, WrestleMania 3 and WrestleMania 6 in Toronto it was a big arena as well, wasn't it? Yeah. But tickets didn't sell. WWE cited security issues. Yeah, they said that there was a bomb threat at the. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they said there was a bomb threat at the, at the Coliseum because of this storyline uh, when really it was because people were not interested in this story. Oh, well, yeah. a lot more fans were not interested. The fans who were actually in attendance, they were harped up for it. Oh, they were wild, weren't they? Yeah, they absolutely were. You, uh, I, I still think there was a little bit of parked in audio, but uh, all in all, these fans were were, were ravenous for, for this match. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Bruce Pritchard on his podcast was talking about this match a while back, and he said... Um, that the Super Bowl went ahead because the government and the FBI and so on paid for their security and they had planes in the sky to stop bombers and, and all this sort of stuff. But they wouldn't pay for the WWF security to run something similar at, at the LA. I keep saying LA Coliseum. If, 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 I'm, if that's the wrong venue, I do apologise to anyone listening, but that's, that's what's in my head for some reason. No, I, think, um, I, think you're, I think you're right. Uh, this was at the, the Memorial Sports Arena, which uh, I think is... Um, it's it's adjacent to the the Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. So they had to switch venues. They'd already outsold the smaller venue apparently when the decision was made. Though, I mean that's awkward, isn't it? How do you work that out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, do you just pack it to the rafters? And I mean, it was packed to the rafters. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, speaking of the fans and being packed to the rafters and that, did you see this dude? He he pops up on quite a few of these pay-per-views around this time. He's got like the white t- 
tank top, sort of white muscle top on, really well, short hair and a gold chain. And he's he's having a wonderful time in the crowd. Well, wearing the biggest glasses known to man. Yeah. Yeah, him. And he's having he's loving it. He's got like a Hulk and the, sorry, a Roddy Piper sort of tank top muscle top on. He's yeah. really proud of his arms and shoulders. He's having a fantastic time. Um, um well fans fans back then were, were were absolutely ravenous. I mean I saw uh, a group of fans where they printed out uh Hulkamania will live forever on a dot matrix printer, uh which must yeah. have took them absolutely ages, used up an absolute ton of ink, and they they kept it so neat that it didn't even rip. Uh, yeah, it still had all the, the holes down the side of the paper, didn't it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> earlier in the show, Mags, earlier on in the same show, those same fans near the front row printed off something similar for the Heart Foundation as well. Really? So yeah. their, their, their ink bill must be through the roof. They they must be really rich people. <laughs> <laughs> um, the match, I mean, Hogan comes out to an absolute wild pop, waving the flag and so on. Um the match starts with Sergeant Slaughter, General Adnan, and Hulk Hogan. Uh, it seemed like they were all just going for a bit of a jog. They're yeah. just doing a couple of laps of the uh, a, lap, a couple of laps of the ring. I suppose you know, even back in nineteen ninety one, it's important to make sure you get all those steps in. I suppose for the day, <laughs> they were go, they were going for a little leisurely stroll around the outside of the ring. And then at that stage, you notice as well how awesome some of the moustaches are in, in this time. Howard Finkel is there, uh, not ring announcing for this match, but he's sat ringside. You've got Hogan with his glorious tash. Um, General Adnan and Sergeant Slaughter going two different ways. One's really big and bushy. One's really small and trimmed. Good mm-hmm. selection of moustaches on display for us, Mags, I feel. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, and also a good selection of bold spots on, yeah. on people's hairs with uh, the Fink... Uh, with uh, uh, Sarge and obviously with uh, Bold Spot Extraordinaire and Hulk Hogan. Uh, there was a, a fun uh, comment where um, Hogan was accused of pulling short, uh, Sarge's hair and um, Bobby the Brain went, oh no, uh, Gorilla said he hasn't got any hair to pull. Uh, and I was like, that's ironic when you're looking at Hulk Hogan there who's, who's kept hold of the very little hair he's got for 50 years. Yeah, and in a way, I suppose it's really nice to see as well, isn't it, with the the political differences between Adnan Slaughter and Hogan, that they can be united by hair and, and facial hair fashion, I suppose. They've got something in common to try and bridge that gap after their, after their match, I suppose. They could sit around afterwards enjoying a nice mug of tea uh, and exchanging moustache grooming tips, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hogan has borrowed uh, Slaughter's moustache wax. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Hogan and Slaughter eventually tie up, and and they roll around the ropes for a bit, and then they tie up again, and you get the whole Hogan pushes him down, and the crowd go absolutely batshit crazy for that. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, there's not going to be many times in this match that I'll give props, but I've got to give props to Hogan and Slaughter. They knew how to keep the pace slow and really work that crowd. Uh, and it's something that you'd see Hogan uh, revisit at WrestleMania 18 with uh, with The Rock. Um, he knew that he could get away with doing so little, but getting such a massive reaction. And, and that's what happened, at, at least in the early parts of this match, uh, where there was very little wrestling, very little contact between the two. Uh, like I said, they, they, they rolled along the ropes for a good... Uh, three or four minutes and the crowd just absolutely ate everything up yeah 
Yeah, it, it, the, the crowd's wild. It's insane. Um, and then it all starts to go a little bit silly for me. Yes. Um, if it's not silly enough already with all the bold spots and the tashes and the flag waving and Hogan is going to save the world and so on, um, it all gets a bit silly then because Slaughter starts hitting Hogan with a chair right in front of the referee. And he does nothing, absolutely yeah. nothing about it. Yeah, and exactly. Was, the, the chair shots were so weak as well. Yeah, it's like he had it's like he had something on his back and he was trying to just brush it off. Yeah, it. It, exactly, he was just like brushing it, off, wiping the sweat from Hogan's back away with a with a padded uh, steel chair. Perhaps Shane had been kissing his back. <laughs> <laughs> um, you get a spot where it looks like Sergeant Slaughter wants to throw Hogan into the ropes for an Irish whip. Um, or Hogan wants to do that and Slaughter doesn't quite get it and it almost looks like they're holding hands and have a little bit of a dance in the corner for mm-hmm. a second or two. Yeah. And then shortly after that, Sergeant Slaughter goes to stamp on Hogan's hand and misses by a bloody mile. Which he absolutely is, does. Uh, oh. the, yeah, the, I mean, this was never going to be technically uh, proficient wrestling. Uh, you've got Slaughter, who, who was a, a, a decent wrestler, and then you've got Hogan, who um, got away with doing so little and knowing so little, but uh, uh, surviving on his charisma and, and on uh, the, the rabid love from the fan base. So it was never going to be uh, five stars in the Tokyo Dome-style wrestling, but there were some things that were just so wonky in this match uh the the times when adnan would get involved i think there was even one point when adnan was trying to um trying to get earl to to um to the ringside when slaughter was going for a pin oh um, mate he I, screws up a I couple felt, of times yeah it was so weird there's a there's a time when hogan goes to the second rope which looks bloody strange anyway um, Hogan goes to the second rope oh, and Adnan, the double axe handle. Yeah, and Adnan comes up and grabs his leg, and you can always see Hogan trying to tell him to, you know, bugger Piss off, off. Pal. Yeah, yeah, because that's not quite when that should be happening. And then Hogan goes to the top rope, which again is weird as hell to look at. And that's when Adnan grabs his leg, and Hogan allows the distraction to happen mm-hmm. for Slaughter to kind of take control. So maybe he he got a bit excited and, you know sort of jumped in there a bit early potentially there old Adnan um, but again like you said Adnan jumps up on the apron to distract the referee which is obviously meant f- for me watching at home it comes across like it's obviously meant for Slaughter to be able to grab a chair and hit Hogan with in a moment because that's very, the next very thing they do but he's distracting Slaughter from from uh, the referee sorry from counting Slaughter's pin and Slaughter's basically got the match won at this stage Hogan's led there waiting to hear two for kicking out he's, he's down for a five six seven whatever it is so you know in my in my eyes Slaughter you know, in theory should have really won the match there um, and he wasn't even angry you'd think he'd be absolutely fuming at Adnan because he, he's missing the spot uh, hmm. but then Adnan gets down from the the uh, the ring Earl goes and does the, the attempted pin. We get the two count. Then Adnan gets back up and we get the spot that I think they were meant to do. Uh, Adnan obviously jumping the gun. Uh, but before we actually got to that bit, one thing that really annoys me about this match is we get a camel clutch. Uh, no, we don't. We get a Boston crab. Oh, um, my God. And uh, it's they're selling it really well. Um, Hogan's struggling to, to, to stop... Um, uh, slaughter locking it in slaughter eventually overpowering 
put them right next to the ropes. Like literally, uh, Hogan could have got the ropes with his with his tongue. It was that close, but he insisted on trying to power out of it for a good two or three minutes before he eventually thought, you know what, I can I can stop this right now. I'll just fifty get the seconds, ropes. Mags. Yeah, I and timed he, it, mate. I went back and timed it. Was it actually fifty seconds? I mean, fifty it seconds. Felt, it felt it, like oh, mate, so much that's longer. long enough. That yeah. is long enough. And it is literally, and even at that point, our, our good friend, you know, the ex-West Brom forward, Sir Regis, is on commentary saying, <laughs> why doesn't he get to the rope? Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. And even when he grabbed the rope, he pointed to with his other hand like to Earl saying, look, I've, I've got hold of the rope, uh, call it off. And, and obviously then the, 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 the hold is released. We get a couple of knees to the back and then we went into the whole ridiculous, uh, stopping the pin, um, spot, which was meant to lead to where we were starting to get to the finish, uh, slaughter, grabbing a, um, a chair, giving Hogan a very slight tickle uh, over the head uh, whilst Adnan had uh, Earl distracted. He Hogan rolls away, absolutely fine. We then get um, um, Slaughter go and grab the, the Iraqi flag and all of a sudden Hogan's in the ring bleeding like a stuck pig. Uh, yeah. It's incredibly clear that the guy bladed because he was perfectly fine after the chair shot. And then when he rolled into the middle of the ring, he was suddenly bleeding all over. The the laying the flag over him, I thought that was a, a really good touch. Uh, that would have if if they would have got the pin off that, that would have been such heat. Uh, but that starts the typical Hogan finish where he gets angry, starts powering up, rips the Iraqi flag. Now, if they'd have done that with the the stars and stripes, Hogan would have been shot. Uh, but it was apparently it's fine to do it to an Iraqi flag. Mm-hmm. Um, Hogan does his, his typical kind of uh, powering, uh, gets back to his feet, uh, points a little bit, does the kind of wiggly finger, no, uh, you're a bad boy slaughter, you're about to get it, um, blocks a few shots, punches, big boot, sold that, uh, slaughter sold that big boot beautifully. I thought he did yeah, really well with yeah, that. Yeah, really good, yeah. And then leg drop and win. So Hogan uh, basically had two seconds of offense at the end and and won the title. But what I did enjoy was Slaughter kicking out right at the end, yeah. Um, which is a trick that Hogan used to pull off quite regularly. I think if I remember, he did it at WrestleMania six uh, to to Warrior just in case there was any kind of like chance he could claim that he didn't lose the belt. Um, because he kicked out, um, but yeah, it was a uh, the match ended twenty minutes of, of tedium. Yeah, I mean, there's a camel clutch spot in there. Uh, again, I, I went back and timed this. This was close to one minute ten seconds. Do you know, I missed all that. Oh, terrible stuff. So, I mean, the one good little thing, I suppose, Silent Slaughter comes off the top rope at one stage, which, again, looked unusual, him being up there, yeah. with a one-footed stomp into the smaller Hogan's back. And I thought it, that it, looked good. It looked really painful. I thought that that it could have potentially really hurt Hogan because it, mm. it brings all his weight down on that that one foot on Hogan's chest and then like rolls out. But yeah, that was a that was impressive for someone of of, uh, of Slaughter's heft. Yeah, definitely. And then, like you said, it's 
he's beaten up, he's stomped on, he's in, he's bloody, he's a mess. He, he's 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 basically dying on the canvas there, mm-hmm. and then the Iraqi flag goes on his face, and it's Hogan jumps up. Considering he was dying thirty seconds ago, he's now won the title with a leg drop. Correct. So, oh dear. Yeah, and then the big orange racist just starts celebrating away, waving the flag around, and we get some absolute gold from the commentators here, don't we? That sum up how silly and how nonsensical this whole thing is, Mags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one line from Gorilla Monsoon: um, "You can put it all to rest. The war is now officially over because those <laughs> those pesky soldiers." Oh, those pesky soldiers, they wouldn't finish their fighting before Hogan was ready. How, yes. how, how inconsiderate, inconsiderate of them, you know? They were all waiting to go over the top and, uh, and storm uh, Baghdad, but they were just waiting for the signal from Hogan to say, come on home, lads, the war is won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Bobby Heenan, uh, he did it for the World Wrestling Federation and he did it for the United States of America. Oh, mate, what a hero. And then. And the, the shock of that, though, was that Bobby, all the way through the match, was was clearly in the corner of, of Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. He, he, so he's a turncoat. I mean, how has nobody uh, picked up on how uh, he was an Iraqi, essentially an Iraqi sympathizer? Because he was he was championing Sergeant Slaughter all the time, and his yeah. excuse for it was was brilliant. Because I think it was again, I think it was Regis filming who, who picked him up on why he was he was supporting uh, the enemy. Essentially, he said, "I blame Hogan because I've always wanted to manage a champion, and Hogan was would would never uh, kind of let let his spot go." And I thought, Do you know what? I bet that is. That's there's an element of truth in that. Yeah, um, I bet. So yeah, that that was a, an interesting little uh, little take by um, by um, uh, Bobby. But yeah, he, essentially, he was an Iraqi sympathizer for twenty minutes of this match. Yeah, and like you said, at the end, he comes out with that line. He's yeah. probably got Vince in his ear, shouting at him the money, saying, "Put Hogan over, put Hogan over." Yeah, you know, or I'll make my sweaty son snog you or something. I don't know. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and back then uh, Shane would have been a kid, so it would have been like quite worryingly sweater kid kissing, sweaty kid kissing. <laughs> oh my god, I'm not read it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then to finish it all off, we have Gorilla Monsoon absolutely amazed at the fact that despite the beating he has took and the energy he has spent out in this mammoth contest. He's still there, Hogan, celebrating. And he, he declares, look, Hulk still has something left, even after overcoming all the forces of evil. Oh. In the world, there is the only evil is Sergeant Slaughter and, and, and General Adnan. Nothing else is evil bar them too. What, what I um, thought was fun was how many times Hogan paused. He normally would go around like every corner and kind of like uh, have two sides of, of the arena like face off against each other to who would get the next set of pauses. But he did it about 10 times and he kept going around and around. Uh, they did a, a shot. I think there was uh, Donald Trump was there applauding and Hogan did the pause for, for Donald Trump. Yeah, it was... This was uh, a love letter to uh, America being the world's superpower. Yeah. 
yeah, just sadly, you know, a love letter that I, I don't, you know, begrudge any American citizen writing. Of course not. It's just very sad that on this occasion, that love letter was written by two crazy bastards in wax crayon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there we go. Um, I suppose now we come to the interesting part, Mr. Mikes. Uh, we always rate these matches out of 10 before we decide upon where we're going next. Okay. So do you want to go first or second, my friend? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I dislike this match with a vengeance. Um, do you? Really? I, yeah. I, I mean, I've made it perfectly clear. Um, <laughs> and it, it's because of the old kind of Hogan must pause, um, crap that, um, that we've we've had throughout the years. Uh, probably at the time, I would have looked at it uh, better because I would I would have been invested in the story. I wouldn't have known the all the kind of like backstage stuff about Hogan. Uh, but actually, in this match, watching it and 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 kind of like just switching my brain off, it wasn't as bad as a match as as as, as some of the trap we've watched and there's it, there's certainly been worse matches uh, out there in the wrestling world than this um so I, I don't i can't in good conscience say it's the worst match on chain wrestling um it's certainly not the best no uh, but i think i'm going to go i'm going to go with a five really mm-hmm. really oh my god that high <laughs> you were clearly not going for five then i've destroyed our our equal uh rating system then mate you've blown my mind with that you really have i know dave Meltzer gave it two and a half which is about on our scale it, it equates to around a five well it does equate to a five doesn't it mm-hmm. um I, I thought that he was being incredibly generous i'm amazed that you're being this generous <laughs> I, I thought it was the best part of this match for me was the crowd because they were yeah. so into it. Um, but not like the best part of WrestleMania 18, Hogan Rock was the crowd, because there was still stuff going on in the ring I enjoyed. This was the best part was the crowd, and that was kind of it. It was slow. It was ploddy. Um, I don't like when... The, the, I suppose when, it, when something takes me out of that bubble, when something <laughs> breaks my suspension of disbelief. And it, I always got my dad in my head when I'm watching wrestling and something like that happens. I mean, if I was sat with my dad, who's not a big wrestling fan, he would poke fun at how silly something is. Yeah. And the chair shots that the referee ignores, Slaughter chokes Hogan with a cable that he ignores, the whole rope spot um, Boston Crab thing is a big, big problem for me. That completely de- defeats the point of the whole submission style of any hold. If he's, if he's even putting it on that close and Hogan's not willing to grab the rope and try and power out, as they said at one stage on commentary, it completely ruins it for me. Um, Sting Meng is the lowest rated match on chain wrestling so far with two out of 10. <laughs> I can't give it much more than that, Max. I, I struggle to give it more than a three. Wow. I think you're doing Hogan a disservice considering what he did for the world. You're saving the world. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you yourself has, have had this pickup for four bloody months and you're oh, giving it that a three. Because I know how much you hate it. You're giving it a three. <laughs> yeah. Scandalous. 
Yeah, I'll be honest. I only you, only you Iraqi sympathizer. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I only hyped it up every week and so on, simply because I know how much you hated it and I thought it was funny. Watching it back, it's worse than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, watching it back, I, I I didn't enjoy it by any by any stretch of the imagination, but I didn't hate it as much. Maybe that's because I've watched it fairly recently with uh with James at uh, the, that 90s uh, wrestling podcast, but I didn't hate it as as much as I remember hating it. Um so yeah, I think I'm happy giving it a five. You give it the same as the straight jacket steel cage match, mate. Uh, that that rubber stamps my point even more than <laughs> Ah, oh, okie doke. Right then, I suppose for the very first time in many, many weeks, um, kind of an end of an era, I suppose, Mags, mate. We got a link to our next step in the chain without me teasing Hogan Slaughter because it's been done and it's to never be brought up again. It's never to be brought up again. <laughs> ever, ever. So, where would you like to go next week, my friend? Okay, so I'm going to go uh, on a totally different tack. We've had a, we've had familial links. We've uh, now had links with uh, with uh, dates um, and and arenas. I'm actually going to go with a link uh, of birthdays. Oh, okay. So Hulk Hogan, uh, he uh, was born on August the 11th. I think it was 1953. Um, so I thought I'd go with uh, somebody who was born on that day, no, or that that date rather. They weren't exactly born in 1953. Um, this person was born in 1957 uh, okay. on August 11th. Uh, very well known uh, uh, wrestling referee and and manager. Uh, he did a little bit of wrestling, but nothing. Uh, uh, you would say uh, a, a huge note. It was mainly used for, for wrestling storylines. Uh, but I'm going with uh, Bill Alfonso. Now, for those not in the know, Bill Alfonso's uh, real claim to fame was uh, he was uh, uh, a huge part of ECW. Uh, he was uh, the whistleblowing referee slash manager there. Um, and one of his major... Um, uh, stable mates, I, I suppose. The one of the people who managed the most was uh, was Rob Van Dam. Uh, very mm-hmm. famously, he managed Rob Van Dam. Um, so I'm going to go over Rob Van Dam match. I've, I've finally got to the the tenuous link. And um, in ECW, Rob Van Dam wrestled uh, some absolutely outstanding matches. Uh, really kind of a uh, Broke the mould for wrestling there in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, and he had one particular uh, dancing partner in the in the ring where everything they did seemed to just be absolute gold. And that was uh, Jerry Lynn. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with a, a Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn match. Uh, they've actually got quite a few that they could choose from. One of my favourites is from the very last pay-per-view that uh, ECW did, uh, uh, Guilty as Charged 2001. Uh, but I'm not going to go with that one. I'm actually going to go with one from a little bit earlier uh, than that, from uh, Hardcore Heaven 2000, which was uh, on the 14th of May uh, 2000. And it was Jerry Lynn 
versus Rob Van Dam uh, with Bill Alfonso and Scotty Anton in Rob's corner. Why? Okay. We had an RVD Jerry Lynn match on a few weeks back and I was gutted it didn't win. It okay. wasn't this one. So I'm really happy this has come back up because I'll be, I'll be honest with you. When I put, or, or well, I can't remember it was me or you now, but when the RVD Jerry Lynn match came up last time, I saw it on the poll a couple of days after. I'm thinking, oh man, I really do hope that wins now, but it didn't. So I'm over the moon that it's coming back up. Not the same contest. It's a different one, but yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be ha- having a look at that potentially. That That's fantastic, Max. That's a great shape. Yeah, and, um, it's, it's always been, uh, I was very late to the ECW kind of bandwagon, uh, but seeing uh, Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam, honestly, they were like magic together. Yeah. Yeah, the first ECW pay-per-view I ever actually saw properly in its entirety was the last one. <laughs> I got it on a VHS tape from that second-hand dodgy-smelling place down, down in town. <laughs> and um, that's what got me into it. But by that stage, of course, it was a bit late. So. <laughs> um, but no, that's a brilliant show. And um, Bill Alfonso now, he's uh, he's managing a guy called uh, Vinicius in Coastal Championship Wrestling in Florida. So he's still involved quite heavily there and and so on yeah so yeah that's a great shape mate that's a great shape um i'm going i'm going a little bit more uh straightforward with my pick i suppose wrestlemania 7 we've just had a look at with hogan slaughter as the main event it's primarily viewed i suppose as a two-match card really um, earlier on in the event you, you also have the title match as the main event but earlier on in the event you had warrior versus savage in a retirement match which potentially warrior's best match of his career savage did a great job there with with the warrior i think mm-hmm. um a real testament to how talented randy savage is yeah i'd like to look at a randy savage match using that as part of the link and wrestlemania as also part of the link and literally just jump forward 12 months and i'd like to go back and have a look at the sometimes forgotten about or sometimes overlooked slightly um macho man randy savage versus rick flair wwf title match from wrestlemania 8 um kind of gets a little lost in that big card with a hogan main event again even though he's not the champion Mm -hmm. but it's a match that got same as the rvd jerry lynn match it got rated very highly in all the wrestling uh dirt sheets and newsletters at the time so i'd like to go back and have a little look at that one mate yep it's an outstanding pick it's one that uh We'll be uh, covering in a couple of months on uh, that 90s wrestling podcast. We're just starting to get into um, uh, 1992 uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so we'll get to uh, WrestleMania pretty soon. But I love the whole storyline of that, the the kind of using uh, uh, Macho's jealousy with Liz to, to fuel that, that feud. Uh, I remember there being doctored photos of, yeah. of Rick and, and, and Liz together when uh, with the, the, the monogram towels and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, it's a great pick. Okay, so there we go. Those are your options for next week. We have no tease for Hogan Slaughter. I feel quite sad, mate. I feel quite sad about that. I don't get to play real American. It makes me a bit sad. Play one last time. One last time. Way out. Ah, maybe I will. But just in like slow it down so it's really dragged and you can just hear the the pain and anguish in it for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, so your options for next week are uh, Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam, the excellent contest they have at Hardcore Heaven 2000, the ECW event, or the WWF title match between Randy Savage and Ric Flair from WrestleMania 8. Um, yeah, so that's the end of the show. That's us looking at Hogan saving the world at long last for the final time. Uh, Mr. Mags, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you on the social medias, please? Okay, so you can find me at Real Hulk Hogan, where I will be being pretty racist. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'll also be uh, hosting WrestleMania in about three or four weeks, so look out for that. No, you can follow me on Twitter at DAJ Kirby, where there is uh, many links to uh, to my content. Indeed, indeed. Uh, you can follow me at SJP Words. And again, the show is at chain underscore wrestling. When this show comes out um, within uh, the well, within half an hour to a day, the poll normally follows in the attached tweet next on the thread. Make sure you get your votes in and your thoughts on any of these matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm off to the shop and to see if I can catch a quick gang fight on the way. I'll speak to you <laughs> next week, Max. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>